It's great to see you here this evening. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to two different scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. And then if you can hold your finger there, or if you have two bookmarks, perhaps, you can uh, place that bookmark, your finger there, and then turn back to Acts chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Acts chapter 16. As we talk about a man who lives his principle, a preacher who practices what he says, what he preaches, as we talk about a man that was dedicated, dedicated in his life to see everyone that he could come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. There he says in verse 19, Paul does, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Look at Acts chapter 16. There Luke talks about this man named Paul and about his second missionary journey. And there he describes this event. Verse 1 he says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. I'm impressed by people who practice what they preach. Aren't you? I don't care who that individual is, man, woman, a minister, an individual that is ministering just in his workplace as as in whatever field he chooses. I'm impressed by an individual that actually practices what he or she will preach. Paul is one of those individuals. Paul is one of those individuals that would set forth a principle and then you could find it in his life. You could see him living it out. Take, for example, these passages tonight. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, as Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, notice what he says. He says, basically, I will do whatever it takes whatever it takes to bring people to a saving knowledge of Christ. I want to do whatever it takes to introduce them to the gospel and to share with them the good news. He said, if that means I have to become weak, then I'll become weak. He says, if I have to relate to the Jews, I will come to them in a Jewish way. If I relate to the Gentile, I'm coming to them in a Gentile way. Now, this is Paul who never compromises the truth of Scripture. He never does that. Would anybody here in this place 
would anybody even suggest that Paul, that he compromised the truth? No, absolutely not. You would never do that. I mean, there are other people that we see out in our world today that preach and teach, and maybe you would, and maybe you would bring some allegations, but I have a feeling that nobody in this place would accuse Paul of backing up on the truth. As a matter of fact, Paul is, well, he's rather bold in the truth, isn't he? He just calls it like it is. Even in the book of Corinthians, I mean, even as he had spoken to the church at Corinth, he had talked to them about their sin. I mean, he didn't stop talking about sin. He didn't stop talking about the, the repentance that should come in their lives. He didn't stop talking about the only way is Christ. He didn't stop doing all those things. He believed in the truth. But he found ways to package that truth so that he could introduce individuals to Christ. That was basically the principle. Whatever it takes. Well, Acts chapter 16, Paul begins this journey. You remember that he and Barnabas had been on this journey from the, from the church of Antioch. They had gone out, they had visited all these different areas, and they had preached the gospel and they had started churches. They faced opposition, but God had empowered them to keep going and they went and they went and they went and God was uh, about a kingdom movement. Well, they got back to Antioch and they celebrated together. They laughed together a little bit. They shared all the good news of what God was doing and then they decided it was time to, it was time to go back out. Well, everything was going well until... We had two missionaries who disagreed. We talked about that last Sunday night. Two missionaries who disagree vehemently. I mean, they have strong opposition to one another. It's kind of hard to imagine that, isn't it? That missionaries would have such disagreement. When I think about missionaries, I think about them um, in a way that they would never have an argument with anybody, Right? I would think missionaries, I mean, they were so self-sacrificing, they would never, ever have even their a disagreement. But that's wrong, right? Because they're humans just like us. They have this disagreement. But then what God does, as I spoke about last week, God takes division and he brings multiplication. He takes their division and he multiplies them. Before you know it, they've got teams going to the north and they've got teams going to the south because God can do these kind of things. Even in our human era and disagreement, God's big enough to extend his mission. So he just takes that and they go out. So here you have Paul. He's going out with... Saul is going out with... I mean, Paul's going out. You about messed me up. Silas, Right? Barnabas took Mark. Paul's taking Silas. They're going out. Paul is beginning to go into those areas that he had already been in. If you'll see these names, you'll be reminded of these areas he's been in. Now, he's doing it a little differently. He's actually going in a backward way. He begins with those that he visited last, and he, be and he goes into these areas talking to them and and, and seeing how the churches are doing and preaching the gospel. And it says, when he comes to Derby and Lystra, he comes to a certain disciple whose name was Timothy. Timothy. So either Timothy was 
saved when Paul and Barnabas had come through earlier or as a subsequent action as the church had been sharing. Timothy had been saved. And obviously, Timothy had been faithful. He was spoken of well among the brethren. And when Paul and Silas come to this area and they find Timothy, they begin to nurture him and invite him to join their mission, Timothy. Timothy goes with them. But notice what the Scripture says. The Scripture says in verse 3 that Paul wanted to have him go on with him. He took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So it says, before Timothy joins the missionary team and before they head out, Timothy is circumcised. Now, the scripture tells us that his mother was Jewish, uh, his father was a Greek. Now, as you trace the lineage, if you follow rabbinic tradition, even today, you will see that Jews or the Jewish people will always trace through their mom, through the mother. That affects, as one of the guides in Israel told me, one's Jewishness. If your mom was Jewish. And so, in a sense, he is Jewish. He's looked at as being Jewish, except he's not circumcised, the son of the covenant. So what did Paul do? Paul says, you need to be circumcised. Now, does this seem strange to anybody? A few weeks ago, we were in Acts 15. And they had this big conference, this big Jerusalem council. They came together because certain Jewish teachers were coming into the church and saying, you must be circumcised in order to be fully saved. You must keep the law of Moses in order to maintain your salvation. Now, that's what they had dealt with. And Paul had opposed that, and he opposed it in a great way. I mean, Paul was the spokesman against adding anything to salvation. Paul was a spokesman for grace and mercy, and he, he, seemed, to, he seemed to push away anything that would attribute works to salvation. And that's what Paul had done. He had spoken against it. He was an individual that had really, um, he, he, he had been militant about it in his life. And now he tells Timothy, you need to be circumcised. Now, is Paul having a personality issue here? I mean, is Paul struggling? Oh, let's say, Paul, is he struggling with his theology a little bit here? No, I don't think so. I think you can reconcile this. I think you can reconcile it easily by understanding what he teaches to the Corinthians, what he writes to them, what he says to them, what he teaches them about becoming all things to all men. Timothy did not have to be circumcised. He didn't have to be circumcised for salvation. He did not have to be circumcised even in some regards to qualify as a missionary. But Paul believed if he were to reach these Jewish areas, if he were to make a difference in these regions, then Timothy should 
be circumcised. There shouldn't be an offense. There shouldn't be a stumbling block in Timothy. If Timothy's coming along and we've got to face these issues, we don't need to be answering questions about why Timothy has not been circumcised. Rather, we need to be addressing questions about sin and salvation and the good news that God has delivered. So Paul says, Timothy, you're going to be circumcised because we need to win these individuals to Christ. You see, the principle played out in Paul's life. And I say to you, it's a principle that needs to play out into our lives. I think it's a principle that needs to play out into our lives. I believe we ought to stand for the truth. I believe we ought to proclaim the truth. We do no one any good somehow compromising the truth of God. We don't do anyone benefit. But I say to you that God has called us to take the truth and to package it in a way that we can relate to those that we are coming in contact with. And that can be a challenge, can't it? I will tell you that as a minister, as a pastor, as an individual that, that looks at God's work and looks at the leadership of a church in particular, it is very challenging for me to say where is the balance between holding up the truth and reaching people in their context. That's one of the most difficult things I have to do. I was telling someone this week, so I was just talking with them about different things. I said, you know, I kind of wish things were just like it was, things were like they were uh, 50 years ago in the church's life in some ways. Did I say that out loud? Did I? Did... It would be so much easier in a sense. I mean, you wouldn't have to determine all the type of music you were going to use. You wouldn't have to, I mean, everybody kind of looked the same, did I don't know. I went around 50 years ago. Did, did it look the same, some of you? I mean, even when I grew up, even when I grew up, it seemed like so many things were just the same. I mean, if you went from one Baptist church to another Baptist church, this one's going to look just about like that one, and the service is going to look just like that, and you're going to sing some of the same things, and it's just kind of the way it was. It would be so much easier as a pastor. Just so we're doing the same old thing, we're, whatever else, it's just going to look like it does, and everybody's going to look the same. There's so many days I wished that that's the way it was, but it's not. Reality suggests otherwise. Now when you go in, you don't know necessarily if it's a Baptist church just by what you find in a worship service, do you? Well, it might have it outside, but many of our Baptist churches today, they're taking the name of Baptist off the church. So, I mean, you don't even know today. And there's so many things that look different. But our culture looks different as well. It looks much more different. And what God wants us to do I believe, is to exalt the name of Christ, lift up 
the name of Christ. Lift up his truth. Never, ever, ever give up the standards that God has given us. But to take that truth and those standards in the love of Christ and maybe repackage it in some way. few years ago I really wrestled especially with the music side I really wrestled with it I grew up basically in a small southern Baptist church up in north Mississippi and uh, we would sing the old hymns victory in Jesus there's power in the blood To God be the glory. I stand amazed in the presence. Praise him, praise him. I'm telling you, I knew almost every word of every hymn. Because I heard it so often. And our music director at Birmingham Ridge Baptist Church, well, he had some favorites we sang just about every Sunday. I love those songs. So I began wrestling with it this about probably seven, eight years ago as my children were coming up. as They're still coming up, I know that. But I'm talking about when I was really beginning to think about the raising of my children, especially in the church's life. And uh, had some people um, in our church that I was talking with, and one of them said something to me one day, something to the effect of, Reggie, Don't you want your kids to know that song, There's Power in the Blood? And I said, yeah, I hope hope they would. I really do. Those old hymns meant so much to me. And even today, even today, when I hear the song like I stand amazed in the presence, I have to tell you, as I get older and I get more nostalgic, I remember literally sitting in that pew at Birmingham Ridge singing that song. And it brings back emotions that I can't even begin to relate to you. So there's a sense of me, yeah, I do want them to know that. But this is what God has really challenged me on. I mean, I'll be honest with you tonight. God has really challenged me on this. I would rather for my kids to know the power of the blood than for them to know the song, There's Power in the Blood. Now, I'm not saying there's a difference. I'm not saying that they're mutually exclusive. But what I'm saying to you is, I may not always agree with some of the songs that my kids would sing. But if it is something that reflects the truth of God, and if it's something that leads them to experience the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives, that's okay with me. That's okay with me because I want them to know more about their relationship with him than just a form. Now, listen, I'm not against hymns. Did you hear me say that tonight? Not against that. Actually, again, I still I love them. But what I'm saying to you is, is that the culture looks so different today than it did even 20 years ago. And to me, that is not compromising the truth. 
worship, at least the style, the style is all about preference. It's all about preference. I hate to tell you, I do prefer a little bit of bluegrass. That makes some of you just cringe. Just cringe. Part of my upbringing. It's about preference. But worship itself, as far as drawing near to God, entering into that relationship, worship should be based upon the truth of God. Whatever it is. What is being preached? What is being shared? What is being held up? Are we continuing to hold up the truth that there is only one way to God and that is through Jesus Christ? Are we holding up the truth that there are some rights and there are some wrongs? And God has not changed his mind about right and wrong. That there is a holiness that he has called us to. We have to keep sharing that and preaching that. We should be expressing that in every way possible. But we need to find ways to reach individuals so that they might come to that saving faith, so that they might adopt that truth and only through that truth be transformed. We must continue to find those areas. Now, each area is based upon context, obviously. The way we do things here in Ruston at Temple Baptist Church would be totally different than we would do in Los Angeles, right? Not totally. I I realize, just know this, I'm probably not equipped to pastor a church in Los Angeles right now. I'm thankful for those who are. And I'm thankful God is using those individuals in a different way to reach people. Los Angeles, right now we have one of our college students, Seth Scriber, out there on one of the sin teams. He's finding that out. He's working through that now. I got an email this week. I think uh, some of our staff may have gotten it too. Of Matt Lawson who spoke here in October. Who has launched Story City Church. This week. They are looking to baptize two people. Two people. And their church and their congregation is up to about 40 right now. Is that awesome? Now they may not look exactly like we are. or, Or do things exactly the way we do. But you can't argue with people coming to know Christ. And I said just a week or so ago that God has called us to pray for our cities. God has called for us, called us to go to our cities. But he has called us to go in a wise and discerning way. Paul, again, gives us a great example. He shows us the balance. He shows us The ability to say, you know what, Timothy? You need to be circumcised in order to reach this people group. And I don't believe that it has anything to do with salvation. I don't think it has anything to do with your staying right before God. But you need to do this because your people, the Jewish people, they (laughs) they are going... To an eternal hell without Christ Jesus. Would you be willing. Would you be willing. To do whatever it takes. So that you. Could relate to them. And share with them. The good news. Of Christ. And look Timothy. 
He didn't really argue with it. According to what the scripture shows us, he simply does what Paul has suggested. And he goes. It says they went through the cities. They delivered to them the decrees to keep. Oh, I like that. The decrees to keep. They delivered to them the truth. The truth of what God had shared. and His work and His holiness and His morality. Which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith. And increased in number daily. The churches were increased. They were strengthened. One of Luke's summary statements, there are several of those summary statements that help us and remind us that the gospel has taken hold, (laughs) that the gospel keeps going, that the gospel still makes a difference in people's lives. And here Luke says, you know what? Those churches that had been planted by Paul and Barnabas in the beginning, those churches were strengthened. There were people that were continuing to come to faith in Christ. God was doing a work among his people. God has called us to become all things to all people without compromising the truth of Scripture. God has given us that responsibility. My friends, yes, it is difficult, as I've confessed tonight, but it is necessary. It is biblical in order to bring people to the kingdom. What is your heart? What is my heart? It should be for the salvation of others who do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. That should be our heart. That should be our desire. What drives us? It should be that concern and compassion for the people who are lost and separated from a relationship with Christ. You know, God has blessed so many of us in this place with a relationship. I mean, just think about it a moment. You have a relationship with the Almighty God. And He has saved you. You. An individual that was lost in sin. An individual that had no hope. Rather had simply despair. God saved you. And not only just saved you, but he said, you're my child. And I want to have a relationship with you. And I want to nurture that relationship. God did that for you. God did that for me. Why would we not want others to experience that same type of relationship? The love of God is something that we should not bottle up in our hearts. But it is something that we should share each and every day. Wanting, praying that others would come to that knowledge of Jesus Christ and that relationship. That's our desire. That's our hope. And it drives us in our practices, in our messaging in whatever it is, it drives us so that we can introduce others to Christ. May God 
put that burden in our hearts and put that concern as we leave here in this night. Let's pray together. Father, first we thank you for making a difference in our lives. Without your revelation to us, without your invitation to us, Lord, we would be lost and hopeless and in despair. But God, you reached out and you did something we could never do. And you brought us into your family. God, we declare our gratitude here tonight. And God, I pray that we would express our gratitude, that we would express our heart by doing whatever it takes to lead others to that salvation. Now, God, we pray that you would give us discernment and wisdom. It's so difficult these days to balance the truth with this approach of becoming all things. God, help us as a church and as a people to be known for standing for the truth without compromise. And Lord, yet let us be known for the love and Lord, the integrity that you have called us to show to others. Lord, help us to be on the front lines of working and doing whatever it takes to reach others for you. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here tonight. Empower them and bless them this week through the power of your spirit. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we have this hymn of invitation? You need to respond tonight in whatever fashion you feel like, just to pray, just to talk with somebody. Whatever it is, you come as God calls you.